0: Hey, everybody, it is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show in the Aftershocks podcast. And before we show you this next video, just wanted to remind you that you can add the CMSPN to your Roku. That's right. If you have a Roku or a Roku TV, just click the link below. It's in the scroll, it's also in the description of this video. And make sure you're logged into your Roku account on your computer and it will add it right to your Roku. It'll add it, then you just refresh your device and bang there it is that way you can watch all of our episodes whether it's us or skull sessions or talk to me or aftershocks or classic metal show i'll be on your tv it's a deal right and it's free free all right make sure you do that and now here's the video you actually came to see
1: You're in your classic metal show with the kid goes wild featuring the departed Sam Kinison on a uh, little cameo there.
0: Hey, didn't you see Sam Kinison before?
1: I have <laughs> <I'm> kidding.
0: <laughs> I know you told that story last week. That's why I'm bringing it up.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you what I, I wish Sam Kinison uh, could be resurrected today. Cause I would love to see what his take is on the current, uh, uh, environment that's going on in the States.
0: He'd probably be canceled everywhere. Of
1: course he would.
0: He wouldn't be it. You wouldn't know his, his stance because he wouldn't be allowed to have Twitter or, or, um,
1: perform or anything. Yeah. You're not allowed to speak out pal.
0: Yeah. I mean, dude, what's Louis CK been up to lately? Who fucking knows?
1: Yeah. You no, know, but there, there are no real edgy comedians at all today.
0: They're not, afraid. They're afraid to be.
1: Well, but even even since Sam Kinison, we're we're talking. What did he die in ninety? I think he died in like ninety-one. I think he got mm-hmm. killed, killed in ninety-one. So here we are. Uh, shit, I hate to say it. Thirty years later. Yeah. Uh, there were. There has not been anyone edgy since Sam Kinison.
0: Well, there hasn't been anybody big. There's been edgy comedians. They're just not as big
1: like who give me an example
0: Jimmy Norton
1: well yeah I agree and and at least he's had a few opportunities to have some video specials
0: yeah I mean, you know
1: one, one that he actually filmed there in Cleveland which uh, ona actually were in the audience
0: mm-hmm yeah I and mean, Norton's certainly edgy he's not you know he's and CK was edgy CK was a pretty yeah, edgy.
1: They're, they're edgy, but they're not bombastic. I, I think. I think what I'm looking for is is just over the top. Stanhope. Stanhope is really funny, and he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more cerebral. Sam Kinnison was just a uh, bombastic.
0: Um, DiPaolo? He's yes, yeah, not he- his show, his comedy.
1: Yeah, his comedy is all of them have good comedy and good commentary. But as far as being a larger than life person, you know, Sam Kinison, he he was like the out of control comic guy. Yeah. You know, Norton, he tells really good jokes and he makes a lot of you know, edgy comments as well as Stanhope and stuff. But when it comes to like this larger than life, like in your face, just like, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to wrestle you to the ground or, yeah. punch, you know, th- there hasn't been anyone like Kinnison. Artie, No. I- I'm talking about somebody who not only do they have good jokes, but they're, but they're also, their presence is very dominating.
0: Oh, well th- that person doesn't exist anymore.
1: That's my point. Yeah, and, I mean, since Kinnison, there has never been anyone like that since.
0: And, and the guys that were like that have all fucking sold out. Like Eddie Murphy.
1: Eddie yeah. Murphy
0: was larger than life. Yeah,
1: he, he was. And I agree. And, and you know, look, you know, like watching Raw and things like that, which, you know, surprisingly is available to watch. Yeah. Instead of going, oh, well, we can't show this anymore.
0: He's a black guy. You can get away with
1: it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he definitely was very, very top of the line. Just, just a very larger than life character.
0: And, and speaking sold it out. of
1: it, well, who?
0: He sold it out. That's the problem.
1: Well, and and I agree. And speaking of that, you know, since we were talking about HBO uh, Max, yeah, uh-huh. they offered all the um, the Beverly Hills Cop movies.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. And and I
1: watched, you know, I watched the classic, of course, which was the original one, which was really good. Sure. The second, the second one wasn't bad. The third one just was blew a blew a bag of dicks. <laughs> that Beverly Hills Cop three, I I watched that once mm. a long time ago, and I totally forgot about it. And it was just horrible. I watched it again like a week ago. Yeah, last week, and it was just like holy shit! What a what a bag of shit this is.
0: Well, you'll be happy to know that uh Beverly Hills Cop 4 has been approved and is in production. Oh, forget it.
1: After after coming to America, fuck that.
0: <laughs> and uh, another 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 48 hours is coming as well.
1: Mm. Fuck that too.
0: What if they do? We're still trading places.
1: No, forget
0: it. No, you're not you're you're done it. with it.
1: After after coming to America too, after seeing what that turned into, I can't even imagine that Beverly Hills cop or, or, um, uh, what was it? Uh, 48 hours. Yeah. Forget that. I'm not, I'm not even going to even entertain watching it.
0: I know they're going to be shit and I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm going to watch every one of them. <laughs> I I know it now. I, I might've Dude, people are listing all Eddie Murphy movies in the, in the chat room. I'd watch every one of them. Best defense Two. Yeah. I'd watch it. I absolutely best defense one was horrible, and he was barely in it. I'd watch best defense 2. Eddie Murphy's one of these guys. I watched all his dumb movies, all his really shitty ones. Harlem Nights, Bowfinger. <laughs> I was watching all that shit. Bowfinger when he's driving around in the Sanford and Son truck.
1: Yeah, with with uh, who, who that uh, what's his name the the comedian guy?
0: Uh, I don't remember who was in it, but I
1: mean. um, the guy from trains, planes, and automobiles. Um, what the fuck is that comedian?
0: Yeah. It's Steve Martin. He's in that movie, right? Bowfinger. You know why I didn't recognize because you said comedian and that automatically makes me think of something (laughs) funny. And funny couldn't be more opposite of Steve Martin. Steve Martin is the, that is seriously the luckiest fucking guy ever. That guy is not funny and not entertaining. How did he get fucking famous with the dumb arrow through the head fucking hat and the wild and crazy guy? The wild, well, he, he was featured on uh, SNL. SNL. But he wasn't funny there.
1: Well, but the thing is, is he made it on SNL. And again, this, this goes back to a lot of the discussions we've ever had about what made bands popular. Yeah. They spoon fed it to you. So so he's on SNL, so he must be good. You heard this on the radio, so it must be good.
0: Yeah. And ghost go sixty six in the chat, you're exactly right. Steve Martin has not been good since Roxanne. Roxanne was pretty fucking good. I yeah. did enjoy that movie. Well well, I did
1: like trains, planes, and automobiles.
0: Eh, that's all right.
1: I mean, John Candy. I mean, John Candy you know. It, well, that's the whole thing. He was a good foil for John Candy.
0: Yeah. And the jerk was good. People are throwing the jerk up there. The jerk was fun, but the jerk was stupid too. Let's be yeah. honest. It was, yeah. It, it was a, it was a
1: stupid movie, but again, a movie that would never be able to fly today. Exactly. Never.
0: Yeah. But man, that guy's comedy is just dog shit. Yeah, His his
1: comedy wasn't
0: good. And, and let me just tell you a real life story, which made it even worse. Steve Martin was probably my dad's favorite comedian.
1: Yeah, because he was oh. he was low, low uh, risk, I don't, low risk. I guess you know. And again, I've said this on the show before, but you know who I never found funny ever, not once, is Robin Williams.
0: Oh, he the funniest thing he ever did was hung himself. Yeah, I
1: I never found Robin Williams. Even remotely entertaining. I didn't find him funny. I didn't think his comedy was funny. I didn't like his movies.
0: Yeah. I I I, like, I, I thought he sucked, but I but, liked the movie where he played a serial killer. One hour photo. I saw that, that. That was the only movie I ever enjoyed by him. But all of his other bullshit, Mrs. Doubtfire and Hook and Fuck you, Robin Williams. The world good of
2: even
1: <laughs> the world Shut according up. To, uh, the world according to Garp or whatever yeah. the fuck that was.
0: Fuck you. Was he in Goodwill Hunting too? Yeah, I think so. Fuck you with that one too.
1: And was he in Dead Poet Society or something?
0: Fuck you with that movie too. Those <laughs> stink. So,
1: you know they tried to make him out to be some kind of like this genius. It, yeah, and it's just like it, you fucking suck, dude.
0: You know what he was? He was Hollywood funny.
1: Yeah, I I found nothing entertaining about that guy ever.
0: He reminds me a lot of Dane Cook. Dane Cook, Hollywood funny. And and what happened to that guy? He wasn't funny, so people stopped supporting him.
1: I know, but but at some point he was selling out like uh, arenas.
0: Yeah, but he was never funny. Dane
1: Cook. What what is he doing now?
0: Probably still doing comedy, but no,
1: because, because I, I don't recall seeing or hearing about Dane cook since like 2003,
0: probably laughing at all the people that made him a fucking hundred millionaire. Probably. I mean, what else would he be doing? Let's see. Dane cook. Um, at the end of 2018 cook announced the tell it like it is tour. His first full-scale stand-up tour since Under Oath in 2013. The tour began in February of 2019 and concluded in November in LA. So that's it. Really, he did a, he did a tour two years ago. So I guess he's still doing it. I, I, I,
1: again, you know, he was like an HBO darling, and he was yeah. had specials and all this other stuff. And it was yeah. like, what What the fuck is that? That guy's not funny.
0: Oh. No. But yeah, dude, Steve Martin, going back to Steve Martin, my dad, this was his favorite guy and he had, I, I still remember the album. It was called let's get small.
1: Yeah. Let's get small.
0: It, it had him on the cover wearing a fucking fake nose and a, and a balloon hat. <laughs> Look it up. I'll put it on. I, I know I know
1: of it. I remember it came out in 78,
0: 77, 78. Yeah, I, I remember it. My dad loved this album so much <laughs> that he had not only did he have the album so we could hear it in the house, but he had the eight track. Oh, so, the eight track. So that if he was in the car, he could get a good chuckle on the way to work. <laughs> By listening to the same fucking shit jokes that he was doing on, um, you know, in the house. And my dad would be, my dad would be sitting. We had a chaise lounge in the house. One of those big old furry chaise lounges that were all the rage in the early seventies. Sure. He had one of those and he'd lay on that thing and he'd be telling the jokes as Steve told the jokes and laughing his fucking ass off. And and he'd be like, uh oh, King Tot buried in his jammies. Ha ha ha. He'd be laughing. And me and my mom would just be looking at him like, what is wrong with you fool? <laughs> I mean, we we couldn't take my mom, I don't even think, was into it. I think she played like she was into it to, uh, you know, placate him so he wouldn't, you know, whatever. You know, wouldn't uh wouldn't complain or whine or whatever. But you know, but he dude, the guy was not funny. And I got to hear a steady dose of this fucking moron for, um, shit, probably 10 years. I mean, he was doing, my dad would play this fucking CD over and, oh, there it is. I just put it on the, the regular screen. Okay. There's Steve Martin. Let's get small. Yeah. I remember seeing that. First one with the dick suck lips. In the history of album covers, that's like the first selfie ever. Fucking homo, <laughs> sucked. You know what? Let me pull this up.
1: Yeah, that's that's before his hair turned gray.
0: Yeah, and he and his nose actually was that big for Roxanne. <laughs> Would you like to hear a Steve Martin joke from sure. "Let Small"? Let's hear
1: it. Let's hear a joke.
0: All right. That'll be a treat. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to play a segment called One Way to Leave Your Lover. All right. It's a minute and a half long. So here it is. The great Steve Martin from 1977. I watch everybody laugh their ass off at this. You watch. I'll look like an idiot. But whatever. Here we go.
2: I'm depressed. (laughs) Nah, it's just... I guess I'm kind of thinking
1: about my old girlfriend. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no,
0: why are they laughing? Why,
1: why is that la- Why is that funny? I was
0: thinking about my old girlfriend. <laughs>
1: what? Why is
0: that funny? That's what I'm saying. There's nothing funny about this fucking guy, and people laugh anyway.
1: He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't even get to the build up yet, and people are laughing like whatever it is, he's saying is funny is I, you know, I'm kind of depressed. I was thinking about my ex-girlfriend.
0: <laughs> but just listen, every line, as soon as he stops, they feel obligated to laugh. All right, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to start it over. So that you get those first eight seconds, but he goes, I'm depressed. And you hear people going, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to leave my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. You know, just listen. They have to fill every gap with a laugh. It's fucking pathetic. Here we go.
2: I'm depressed. Nah, it's just. I guess I'm kind of thinking about my old girlfriend. You know what I mean?
0: What is fucking funny?
1: There's nothing funny about that.
0: Nothing.
1: I'm waiting for the punchline. Let's go.
0: Yeah, move it along, dick. Yeah,
1: I feel like, um, you know, I feel like uh, extreme waiting for the punchline.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, you're probably gonna be waiting a while because he never tells anything funny. But all right.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, we were together about three years, and um, sometimes when I get on stage, I kind of think about her because uh, you know she'd travel with me, and then I'd be up here performing, and I could hear her laugh, you know, and kind of meant something to me, I guess.
0: Now, why are they laughing about that? They're laughing about that. Okay, still waiting. Yeah, all right, here we go.
2: <sighs> I guess I kind of miss her. <laughs> And, uh, she's not living anymore, so... (laughs) You think that's funny? I guess I kind of blame myself for her death. Um, We were at a party one night, and uh, we weren't getting along, we were fighting, and she began to drink. And she ran out to the car, I followed her out, and I guess I didn't realize how much she'd been drinking. She asked me to drive her home and I refused. We argued a little bit further. She asked me once again, would you please drive me home? I didn't want to. So I shot her. <laughs> how was that,
1: huh?
0: That, well, yeah. Is that oh, there's, there's still another 15 seconds, but the laugh he got for that was way... Way over the top. That's not funny.
1: Hey, eh? Is that funny? Yeah, well, he's crazy, man.
0: He shot her. <laughs> what the hell? Not funny. All right, here we go.
2: Let me get a shotgun. <laughs> Cut it right in half. <laughs> That's it. Okay.
0: Hilarious, right? Hilarious. He stinks. Yeah. I had to listen to that fucking joke over and over. Is that a joke? All of these are, I don't know.
1: I mean, mean, but, but your dad found that funny.
0: Oh, he would laugh. He would sit there. I'm telling you, he would sit there and he'd be in his fucking chaise lounge chuckling belly laughing and going and, and lipping it with him. Then I shot her.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And, and I'm telling you, me and my mom would look at him and look at each other. And we would just be like, and we would just go to some other room or go outside or something. Just right. Fuck away from this fucking nonsense. Like, what are you laughing at? Yeah. And, and you know, it just, and I, I can still remember times with my dad, he'd yell into my mom. He'd be like, hon, come on in here. I'm going to listen to some Steve Martin. My mom <laughs> would just be like. Yeah. I've heard
1: a-. this a hundred times already,
0: but she would be in there like nothing because that was her opening to try and get him to like, she'd listen to this fucking shit bag album and then she would try to slip in some of her music behind it. <laughs> she'd be like, oh, let's, let's get a Springsteen record on or whatever. <laughs> the, let's throw on the who or something. And. And my dad wasn't having none of that, but that was always like her get was she thought that if she sacrificed for him, then she'd get the opportunity back and no, no such luck.
1: Yeah. It was dad, a, it was supposed to be a give and take, but it was all, all take.
0: Yeah. It was a take and take. Yeah. My dad would take that and then he'd be like, well, that was so good. Let's throw on the old Lionel Richie album all <laughs> night long. And the next thing I know, my mom's just sitting on the shade, like laying next to him on the is just ready to kill herself. Right. Wishing he'd shoot her with a shotgun and laugh about it because she has to sit here and listen to fucking, um, you know, Lionel Richie doing stuck on you. You know, it's like, oh, my mom was hating her life for that stuff. Right. <laughs> Boy. Good times. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> it yeah it was a real tr- it was a real joy sometimes to be alive <laughs> Just- well well
1: speaking of killing yourself yes here's something that uh is relatable on that level okay but something that might relate uh, that might, that you might relate to okay not to bring up painful memories all right and not to make light of your personal situation sure but a steel worker You were a steel worker once I was, uh, he has killed himself by jumping into a furnace at a Chinese factory. (laughs) Now, why are you laughing? This is not a laughing matter. That's your
0: Steve Martin joke. I'm laughing. (laughs) 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 I'm going to tell you why it's funny before you even read the story. Yes. We had a guy that we worked with. He was a young kid he was a fucking asshole just a straight up asshole i won't say his name but me and pretty much everybody else in the place hated this fucking guy okay so we had two furnaces we had one that was fairly small the one that i got blown up on which was pretty small i mean it it held about seven tons of molten metal okay then we had the big furnace, which held probably 50, 60 tons of molten metal. And the way you, we would fill these things up. What was, we would take scrap metal that was unmelted obviously. And we had a, we had like a scrap warehouse and we had these little, I don't know what you'd call them they were like a hopper. So to speak it, it had like a, uh, it was like a big bin. But it had a latch on it and a forklift would lift it up and put it over the the door of the furnace when it was open yeah and you could take a stick or something and you would hit us you would hit like a a switch thing that was on it and it would it was like a latch and it would release the latch and yeah, the,
1: yeah you'd you'd flip the latch up and the door yeah. would open and it all
0: dump in there yeah the the well the 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 little cart would kind of tip forward and everything would fall Sure, off. sure I get it and then you would use the, um, you, you would use the tow motor and you could shake the tow motor back and forth to shake out all the shit into the door. You know, that's how we used to do it. Uh, we hated this guy so fucking bad that we talked at length about fucking knocking him out and fucking throwing him in the furnace and charging this fucking guy because no one would have ever heard him. And that would have been it just fucking stuff him in this fucker and close the goddamn door and be done with Perry or whatever his name was <laughs> we hated this motherfucker with a pack. Well, to
1: to contemplate murder i guess that would be a lot of hate
0: obviously we never took it to that length but what you know, you know we obviously did not do that but <laughs> but it certainly was a was a talked about and, and and you know how it is, dude. You're working with Jesus. somebody
1: you basically wanted to dump him into
0: the fire and just be done with him. We wanted to hear him going, I'm falling. Exactly. Into the fire. But yeah, we hated this motherfucker. And you know how that goes, dude. When you
1: well, to wish death on somebody, that yeah. that's a lot of hate.
0: Well, we wanted him to quit, but he wouldn't quit. <laughs> so that's next step, I guess. But yeah. all right. And then and then lo and behold since I joked about it, guess who got fucking fried me? I guess who got cooked. Me. Is that
1: karma? Would that be considered karma?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I've always thought about that. If this was karma, like if it was ultimately karma, my problems with fire were karma for me, burning my parents' house down when I was seven. And, and I always have thought maybe that was my fucking payback was, you know, I, I, lit up their house and burned it down when we were, when I was seven years old. And I've told that story on this on the show before, but, um, I always thought, you know, cause I got burned and it's funny cause I got burned pretty good. Second degree burns in June of the year that I got burned for real, like the real bad burn. I got burned in, um, you know, moshing at the Metallica show and they were having those blanket fires and I just dove right into one, just being a goof. Drunk out of my mind, and dove into a fire, and got second degree burns all up and down my arms. So I, I always wondered, and then like that was like the warm up for the actual real burn accident.
1: That's and very I, interesting. The choice of words you use, the warm up, warm up exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, me being stupid, me, you know, I get home, and and Georgena's looking at my fucking whole arm that's all burned up and shit. And she's like, "You gotta go to fucking hospital." I was like, ah, hospital my ass. So I was like, get some of that fucking, some of that lotion. And she fucking rubbed calamine lotion on it, which <laughs> couldn't could not have picked the worst thing to rub on a fucking open wound, open burn wound, but calamine lotion to dry it out, you know. But it was like, uh, ah, just put that stuff on it. Shit, it'll work. And I put that shit on the burns, and I, and I lived with the burn for about a week, and then I was fine. But yeah, just put some
1: bacon grease on it.
0: Yeah, why not? Just get some bug spray. Maybe that'll fix it. You know, it's like holy fuck, what is wrong with me?
1: <laughs> well, again, if, if this was today, it was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah,
0: yeah, ex- but, I, I, like, I just, like last week. Just rub some dirt in it, will you? Yeah, ex- dude. I and, and I am the the living proof of that shit. I mean, you've heard me. You've known me twenty years, roughly. Yeah,
1: yeah, at least. Well, I I met you in 98, so uh, 2008, 18, 20, 23 years. Yeah.
0: Have you, you've heard me talk about this accident? Yes. Yeah, of course. You've heard me joke about it. Yeah. Of course. Have you ever heard me legitimately in the thousands of hours of conversations we've had both here on the show and in, you know, on the phone, whatever, Have you ever heard me whine about it or say,
1: no, of course not. You just accepted your fate. It's just like, this happened to me and you know, fuck it.
0: And that's how it should be for everybody. I agree for everything. You know, you're not, and I have this argument with people all the time. You know, I don't rate people's accidents or whatever. I don't say mine is worse than anybody else's, you know, because it's all relative. You know, I was burned 69%, 52% with third degree in graphs. You know, I was burned to fuck. I mean, literally. And I'll tell you what, I'll take that over somebody that's burned 10%, but loses his fucking hand or loses his leg or loses his foot or, you know, has a keloid the size of a second head on his fucking shoulder or some shit. You know, it's all fucking relative. You know, it, it. Is you know, is my accident worse than a bad car accident? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not.
1: Well if you ever do a reissue of Call Me Chris, I think you should retitle it Burn
0: to Fuck. Yeah, burn to fuck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book title. <laughs> it's the it's the sequel.
1: <laughs> yeah, the sequel, burn to
0: fuck. Burn to fuck. <laughs> but I was burned to fuck dude. Of course. I, I, I mean I was burned. I was burned. I was I mean dude, even the title call me Chris that was because I was burned so fucking bad that they that my own family couldn't recognize me. They just saw me as this lump of fucking bleeding fucking goo in a bed just sitting there in a fucking coma drooling like Nancy like Terry Shivo. <laughs> Uh, uh, not did, she, did, she,
1: did she make those noises?
0: Well, Terry Schiavo did. Did she? You don't remember they, they, when they would show video of Terry? I, I
1: remember. I remember Glenn Beck was on the on the case on that oh, yeah. star- starving her to death.
0: Yeah. Every time they showed Terry Schiavo, all you heard was. Uh, you know that was that was the deal. You know, accidents are accidents. Shit happens to everybody, and. Whining about it is fucking. (laughs) Sorry. Deep cut home run. (laughs)
1: Call me booples.
0: Call me me (laughs) booples.
1: My booples aching.
0: That's fucking hysterical. Yeah,
1: booples (laughs) aching.
0: That's really good. (laughs) But yeah, dude, it just doesn't make sense to me. And maybe it's the way we're raised, and and maybe it's why this this I we can't stand this generation. It's a
1: different era, dude.
0: Yeah, I I mean, dude, I I know it's a weird thing because I know if I would have come out this the other side, the other way, and been like, oh my life is over, and oh my god, I got to talk about burns every minute for the rest of my life, and not uh, you know I got to live in burn support and all you know all the shit that a lot of people do. My family would have probably supported that. They probably would have been okay. But I think, I I think that somewhere in there, my dad, especially would have been immensely disappointed with me and somewhere in his, somewhere in his, so he probably would have never said it to me, but somewhere in there, he'd have been like, I raised a bitch. I know that's what he would have thought. I raised a bitch. He would have never fucking been happy with the fact that I would be whining like a fucking cunt. And I'll tell you what, you point exactly right. And I'll tell you what, you know, different scenario. But when my kid had, when my son had the cancer, he didn't bitch for, for a minute. And all I could do is bang my chest with pride that my son wasn't a bitch going into something that fucking life threatening. Of course. Handled it like a fucking man. I raised him right. It's like, fuck yeah. As it should be. And, and, and I'll be honest, if he would have come out of it like a bitch, I probably wouldn't have said nothing to him about it. I probably would have let it go. But, you know, I mean, because it, it all does affect people differently. But, man, I just can't, for the life of me, I cannot fathom people that let something happen to them and they let it wreck their fucking life forever. Just just and dude, how many people do that with like divorce or, of course. you know, or a car accident or like the ones that crack me up are the guys that like are depressed for like several years because like they have their house repossessed or they have a, a car, car repoed or something or house foreclosed on rather, you know, and it's like, it's just stuff. Are you still alive? You still able to fucking rebound? Then go rebound. Stop bitching about it and rebound from it. Well,
1: I think you and I both can speak from that place of, of rebounding. Of course. You you just, you just pick up the pieces and do what you can with what you've got and move on.
0: Yeah. You know, I've done so I, you know, I can only talk about my own life, but. I've been, I, I was left for dead quite literally. Wife was told, gonna die on this table. Lived through that and fucking, I came from being dead to now doing all these great things. You know, building businesses, owning the pinball thing, having fun doing the radio thing. Now I'm building a fucking radio empire, writing books. You know, I've done every goddamn thing in the world. And this is after I was supposed to be dead. Beat that. And don't tell me about how you fucking can't do anything because your life is so hard. I'm not hearing you. I just don't, I don't hear it at all. I never hear it. Rise up and overcome bitches. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it.
1: Well, anyway, Wang Long could have used your, uh, sage advice. Mm-hmm. Wang Long 34 was captured on closed uh, close circuit television Throwing himself into the molten vat of steel at a factory where he worked in uh, Mongolia. Ouch. Because he lost, get this, yeah. drum roll please. He lost an equivalent of $8,298 in the stock market.
0: He lost 8200 bucks, and he killed himself? He did. What was his total net worth? 8,300 (laughs) bucks?
1: A haunting still image shows him his silhouette against a fiery well. Let's see. A haunting still image shows him silhouetted against the fiery well moments before he hurled himself inside, causing red leaping flames and black smoke to billow out lovely his employer ba- bao gang b a o g a n g bao gang group sure. confirmed that wang's death was believed related to a large amount of losses and that he could not repay his heavy debt
0: who was the debt to some fucking japanese mobster
1: well no he he lost it in the stock market so he had to uh pay up
0: Yeah, just don't pay it.
1: Well, he threw himself into the fire. Yeah, I
0: guess he's not gonna pay it. But
1: yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna kill myself. You're not gonna get it from me, Pally.
0: I guess when you work for three cents a day, eight thousand couldn't see. Well, there you go.
1: That's where we're heading for in this country. Exactly. Last Tuesday, the steel works had reported Wang missing after his colleagues were unable to find him following the night shift. Yeah, he's part of the molten metal.
2: Yeah.
1: However, surveillance footage later revealed that Wang had died in what police believed was a suicide. In the video, Wang is seen to take off his helmet and his gloves, placing them on the ground. For several minutes, he appears to hesitate before jumping into the furnace. Yeah, I get that. Definitely into the fire. Mm. The... uh, Bao Gang Group said we feel deeply sorry for his death. We are proactively appeasing uh the emotions of his family and carrying out psychological guidance for our workers. I never understood that. We're we're bringing in uh, you know, counselors for
0: this. Yeah, grief counselor.
1: I, I never understood that. It's like wh- what kind of pussies are we?
2: Yeah.
1: It's like, well, You know, so-and-so committed suicide, so we're bringing in grief counselors. Mm -hmm. Really?
0: Yeah, I I don't get it. I, I, you know, I'll tell you this, though. I understand this dude hesitating, because let me just tell you, when seven tons of molten metal fucking hit you, and it hits you in an explosion, so it passes off of you. Yeah, but
1: you weren't even expecting it. The, oh, this, no, guy, this guy is well aware oh, of I what aw- awaits him.
0: Oh, I get it. I'm just going to tell you. Not expecting it and having it happen and just be done like it happened and it was over like in a couple of seconds. That was a pain that is indescribable. I mean, that was pain like nothing I ever had and never will have again. I can't imagine jumping in and let's be honest, unless you had your mouth open and you just fucking ingested it where it ate your fucking heart away instantly, you're going to live for 15, 20 seconds, swimming, your body's naturally going to try and get out of that shit. And you are going to swim in this shit as it fucking, as you're screaming, in pain as it melts your fucking body away, you know. Ugh, that has to suck. Those last 15-20 seconds of old boy's life that had to feel worse than touching your finger on a stove or something. Yeah,
1: that's like Terminator 2, where he lowers himself into the, <laughs> into
0: the- yeah. I got news for you though. It probably wasn't as um, glamorous as when, when he slowly lowered. I guarantee you the last thing he did wasn't put his one finger up in the air before it's no, he
1: gave him the thumbs up or the thumbs up. Yeah. He he went down like this.
0: Yeah. Fucking sure. He did.
1: (laughs) Well, he was a robot anyway. He didn't feel any pain.
0: Even a robot would have felt pain in that fucking scenario. (laughs) And I can, I can tell you that for a fact that shit fucking hurts. Bad. <laughs> uh, Wang's
1: colleagues told the South China Morning Post he had been trading stocks and futures for a while, that he was an uh, introverted character and
0: unmarried.
2: Hmm.
1: So, you know, he didn't leave any wife or hell spawn behind.
0: Oh, so then it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, he just kind of burned up in flames.
0: All right, we'll see. Uh,
1: police think Wang killed himself because he had taken out large loans on Wednesday and lost 60,000 yen. That is uh, 8,000 blah, 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 American dollars on the stock market. <laughs> he took out loans on the stock market.
0: This was Japan or China?
1: Uh, this was, uh, this was, uh, I read that earlier.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't remember.
1: This was in Mongolia.
0: Mongolia. I wonder if they have laws that are different than here. Like they don't allow you to bankrupt. They cut your head off or some shit. If you're fucking <laughs> overdrawn on your bank account or something, you're overdrawn off with your head fucker. Well, they might. I, I mean, that's the only reason I could think of that, you know,
1: being, being broke would. Well, I think, I think that, uh, the, um, honor thing over there is pretty pretty powerful. Yeah. And that as somebody who is not successful and can't live with the pain of being a
0: failure. Right.
1: uh, You know, it's it's like the dying on the samurai sword, you know. You 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 die with honor rather than uh you know live with guilt.
0: I guess but 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 this
1: guy you know took out loans.
0: Yeah, to pay his stock.
1: To- this is, well, to to play the stock market.
0: Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I think he was playing what the Nikkei or something. <laughs> I have him. no idea. He wasn't even playing the real stock market. He's playing the Nikkei.
1: Uh the uh, Baon Gang Group, uh, established in 1954, is a major steel producer in China's largest. Light rare earth metal manufacturer. Its assets are worth uh, more than twenty billion dollars, and has more than forty eight thousand employees. Wow. Well, he's not going to be
0: missed. Oh, they, no. got,
1: they got forty seven thousand nine hundred and ninety nine employees, <laughs> exactly.
0: and one and one bloody ingot on the ingot table.
1: Exactly. I mean, I hate to laugh at about a guy's death, but you know what? Everybody makes their own choices. Yeah, you know, I I would not regret anyone in our audience who goes, you know, this is a good idea for me. I think I'm going to just end it all here. And it's, I'm just like, well, if that's what you want to do,
0: yeah. I uh, dude, w- what are you going to do? I mean, in the end, what are you? What are you, if somebody wants? If somebody truly wants to kill themselves, and, and I don't know if you've had that experience or not with somebody calling you and they were like, legit, I need to end this. I can't deal with it. Or I have.
1: I, I actually had a former uh, girlfriend Okay. contact me about a year ago and said, hey, can I come there? And I'm just like, why? What's yeah. going on? And it's like, well, I'm suicidal. It's like, well, coming here is not going to solve your problems. Right. What are you dealing with here? Right. Right. And it turned out okay. But the first thing they thought was, can I come to your place?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's
1: like, no, you can't come here. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I need to know what's going on. What What, what are you doing? What, what are you dealing with? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that was the whole thing. And it was just like, no, this isn't the place for you because what am I or being here going to do for you?
0: Yeah. I mean. I, I have one friend that plays that card on occasion. And I know, I just know that I'm going to get that call someday that he fucking offed himself. I just know it. And it's like, you know, whenever he calls me that way, I ask him what's going on. And if he can't talk about it on the phone, I'm, I, I always go there. You know, I'll, I'll always go and I'll talk him through it as best as I can. But, you know, in the end, I mean, what are you really going to do? If somebody's determined that their life is too fucked, you know, the only thing I ask is don't fucking blow your brains out where the mess gets on my fucking doorstep. You know, I mean, honestly, I mean, what else can you do? What can you know? I love my friends and all, but you know, in the end, it's like I, I can't save everybody.
1: Well, here, here's the thing, and I think this this is very relatable to uh, the people who listen to this show, as well as you know, you and I. Yeah. You, you and I had a, you know, a acquaintanceship. I'm going to call it an acquaintanceship. I'm not going to call it a real friendship Uh-huh. with Janie Lane.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: This guy, we knew that he had a lot of issues and he could have done something different with his existence, but he chose not to do it. And both of us. Even, even our friend Billy, Billy Morris, mm-hmm. we, we all tried to help him in some way, shape, or form. Right. If somebody is hell bent on destruction, personal destruction, what what are you going to do about that?
0: Nothing. There's nothing you can do.
1: You you can reach out. You can say, "Hey, I'm concerned about you. Mm-hmm. How can I help you?" All these other things, but in the end what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, not not much. No, dude, there's not much. I mean, you can talk people, you can tell them, you know, that you give a fuck about them and whatnot. And that, you know, you want them to live and whatever, but dude, you can't change anybody's life fully. You just can't do it. You know, you got to live your life, but in the end you, you can't think like they do. So just how, you know, that, that's one of the things that my one buddy says to me, well, you did this and you did it. I'm like, yeah, well, I did do that. Who's stopping you? And don't tell me life because that's fucking bullshit. You know, and, and unfortunately, that's something I can't fucking ride with. You know, I can't ride with the Well, you know, you got it worse than I did because, hey, fuck you. Nobody had it worse than I did. <laughs> no one I've no one I've experienced yet has had it worse than I did. And come all the way back. No one. So I challenge I challenge anybody with that. You know, if you feel like your life's so bad, hey, fucking read my book, dummy. (laughs) Because I was fucking dead and gone. And now I own businesses and write books and fucking make you dicks laugh. All fifty thousand of you in the forty-two in the chat room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: the 42 in the chat room.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, those are the ones that count. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Other 40, other 50,000, but the 42 that are the 42 that have my attention are the only ones that count. Right. You guys are just fucking faceless, mindless. Fucking. Yeah.
1: There, there's eight spots open in the CMS chat room. Why aren't you in there? If there's 50,000 of you listening right now.
0: Yeah. You fucking faceless fucks. Put yeah. your name in there.
1: Yeah. That chat room should be maxed out at this point.
0: At all time. Well it was for most of the night.
1: It was. It was maxed out before we even started the show. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: what the yeah. I mean it is 1 30 in the morning, so half of the audience went to sleep. <laughs> so now we're probably down to 25,000. Yeah. Chat and
1: kill.com, motherfuckers. Let's max that max that chat room out.
0: Unless you're a fucking turd. And if that's the case, don't come in the chat room. Because I just don't want to see your troll ability. You See, we lost one. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're, you're playing the
1: rev now. Look, we peaked. We peaked at 10. All right. There's seven spots open in the CMS chat room. So get over there. We we gained one. It's forty four now.
0: Ooh, look it's at
1: us! There. There's only six spots left. I, I wow. want to.
0: <laughs> you're, you're really determined to get there, aren't you? I,
1: I want to see everybody max this room out. There's only fifty <laughs> slots in this room, and there's six open. Look, look at Rob Halford in the porta body. Where's that? Demon put it in the chat room.
0: Oh Jesus. I'm more fascinated by the girl with three tits. <laughs> What's going on there?
1: All right. We're five away from maxing out the room. 45. <laughs> look, look at that. It's growing. <laughs> look at that. Five more spots. Oh, my can't God. can't get in after that. Oh, my God. It's Jump in. <laughs> chat and kill. Is that still active? Yeah, I don't know. Com. Yeah. Chat and kill.com. Let's. Oh, 47. Look at that. Look at that. That's hilarious. You got three more. Three more spots. Jump in. Chatandkill.com. We are really in stupid mode tonight. I know. We? Look at that. Max this room out, you motherfuckers.
2: <laughs>
1: I
0: love it. That is funny. Get in there. There's three open spots. I got news for you. Neely's probably oh, not going to move on until the last two of you get in here. So. <laughs> 48. All right, Phil, Ooze, you're going to scare these people away with that giant dick. <laughs> Please don't do that.
1: All right. There's two more slots. Fill it up. Let's max out at 50. Come on. I'm not going to wait.
0: Well, you apparently are.
1: Come on. <laughs> well, suppos- right. supposedly, we have fifty thousand people.
0: Yeah. Well, they just don't want to chat. Maybe. All right. Forty-eight
1: there's, is good. There, we're at forty-eight, so there's two open slots, so you can jump in. Welcome, people. Welcome. All right. All right. So there you go. Guy killed himself over eight eight thousand bucks. Yeah. And we're laughing about it. <laughs> well, you know what the fuck? Stupid, stupid people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't give a shit about them.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: Yeah. I'm unfeeling and uncaring. <laughs> All right. Before we take a break. Yes, sir. Uh I, I know that you're well aware of the whole COVID thing. Yes. That has totally destroyed a lot of things in our society. Yes. Well, anyway, supposedly, because we're a year into this thing already, Mm -hmm. um, Live Nation, one of the biggest concert promoters in the world, Mm -hmm. they're ready to uh, move forward. Good. They're ready to put on some live shows. They're ready to, uh, you know, get things going great. But the problem is mm-hmm. they have nobody to work the venues. Now, <laughs> everybody has moved on from yep. their roadie status to, you know, working, you know, working to make the live performances happen. Right. A lot of the stage hands and technicians have moved on to other things and they're just like, fuck this. I got to make a living. Right. I'm going to lose my house or my apartment or whatever it is that they live in. Right. And uh, they've moved on to other things. And it's just like, okay, things are, move, are opening back up. We need you guys. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing something else already.
0: Yeah, don't care.
1: <laughs> Artists can't wait to get back on tour. But after more than a year on pause, the COVID-19 pandemic. The live event business is facing a potential worker crisis and not enough roadies. Yeah. Concerts uh, operate in a world of contracts with uh, workers moving from gig to gig, tour to tour. Mm -hmm. Without live events, though, many stagehands, lighting and sound technicians, ticket takers and ushers, they have assumed other jobs.
0: Yeah, as they had to.
1: Yeah, this is like I had to do whatever I had to do to
0: survive. And you know what it is even more than the fact that they've assumed other jobs? Forty-nine, by the way. Um, um, it's not that it's not so much that they assumed other jobs, it's that they got out of the habit of living like a fucking pauper. And, you know, they got used to getting a steady paycheck now. So they're not, it's not like well, dude, it's cool because I'm out on the road with Britney Fox or you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, you know? And I don't want to use like Metallica or the big name stuff. Cause those guys are like, I guarantee you Metallica didn't lose one roadie. No, they
1: they're locked in.
0: Yeah, they're locked in, but I'm, but the, the LA guns and Britney Fox and this, this Palooza festival in fucking Lima or wherever, you know? <laughs> You know, all those people went and got regular gigs.
1: Bonnaroo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, even Bonnaroo probably kept most of their guys, other than the, the people, the seasonal people that they hire. I'm talking about the people that would normally be working, uh, you know, uh, a 200-seat club or the, the well, people. Well, they're, they're for hire people. Yeah, the, or the people that would go out on tour that, like, a in sized band That would have like one roadie that would kind of work all four guys. Sure. Of course. Those guys have all moved on. They all got jobs. And now they're like, dude, why am I going to go back on the road for less money than I make when I, when I could come home and fucking, you know, uh, live in my own house, sleep in my own bed. Fuck my chick whenever I want to and watch Netflix for more money. You know, and that's, that's, that's the unfortunate truth of COVID COVID took, took living like a, like a kid, like a college kid away from a lot of these people.
1: Right. Well, I talked about this on the show last week that, uh, you know, I went to get my car, you know, get my tires balanced and my front end alignment checked. And the guy's telling me, well, we can't do your front end alignment because we can't find anyone to fill that position because people are just at home. you know, collecting their unemployment and their, their quote unquote, their COVID benefit, Yeah, you know, on top of that. It's like, what's the incentive to come back and go to work?
0: Yeah, no, it's true.
1: Concerts operate in a world of contracts with the workers moving from gig to gig, tour to tour without live events, though many stagehands lighting and sound technicians, ticket takers and ushers assumed other jobs. Uh, No one saw a year without a work, said Michael Strickland, the chief executive of lighting company Bandit Lights. Oh, Bandit Lights. Bandit Lights. As it continued, you lost people along the way, the mentality, the physicality, the spirituality, and the economically. The concern among uh, event organizers that those workers might not come back. Mm-hmm. having moved on to other jobs that might be more stable, more lucrative or offer perks like insurance. Oh, we can't work jobs without insurance. Yeah,
0: can't do that anymore.
1: Um, Or retirement options. <laughs> yeah. Also lost is a generation of apprentices, the younger workers who have been learning the craft Eager to graduate from warehouse gig to the local show and onto the national tour, man.
0: Yeah, dude. What <laughs> kind of retirement benefits do you think you get if you're the roadie for Steve Riley's LA Guns? Exactly. You know, you know, you're not getting anything. you dude. That's that's honestly, and I'm not trying to be disparaging here, but I'm just going to be honest. To be a roadie for most of these guys. You pretty much have to, your only other option is being fucking homeless. that That's really all it's a step up from in most cases. I mean, you're literally paid in beer and cast off pussy. There's nothing else you're paid in. And it's cast off pussy from a 200 seat club. So you can imagine the quality there. What do you think the quality is of the chicks that are turned down by the band but, <laughs> but will blow the roadies?
1: Do chicks even do that anymore?
0: I don't know, I don't, not at any shows I've seen. I mean, there were some, there were some at the one time when we were hanging with um, with Don, um, down in Cleveland, me and you, and
1: yeah, that was at the I house of them. blues. Yeah,
0: I think those chicks would have blown Don, of course, they they would have been able to do it well because they looked old enough to remove their teeth <laughs> to do it. I mean, they, they looked like they were in their late sixties to early seventies, you know, as they fucking walked up with their walkers. Hi, Don, right. Hi Don. You know, they looked ancient, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any of that going on anymore. Maybe with the young bands. Do you think I, I got to think that the young bands are still getting some plus here and there. I got to think that I can't imagine being in a band like Hailstorm or something and forget Lizzie Hale. But you know, if you're like the, the guitar player, the bass player, that's not fucking Lizzie Hale. And, and you're out on tour and you're playing in front of 10,000 people a night, there's gotta, you gotta be sticking your dick in one of them. Don't you?
1: I guess so, something tells me though, because, be, because of just my personal observation, Uh, that, that a lot of these younger people, they're not, I'm I'm just going to say that they're not, um, sexually adept. I don't
0: know. I, I'll, you know what, next time I interview a young band, which will obviously happen sooner than later, I'm going to ask them. I will ask, I will ask some young band that question. If, if they're still out there chasing pussy and I, and I, and then when they say, Oh yeah, of course. Then I'll say, stop lying to me and tell me the truth. You know, I'll, I'll ask the question and whoever the band is, I'll bring it to the show. Okay. But I will ask the question. I'll, I'll it's ask. A, some,
1: some just tells me that the, the maturity mm-hmm. of, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. The, 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 the groupie mentality. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. I I, somehow, and again, I'm, I could be completely off base, right? It just doesn't seem to me like the younger generation is really into sex.
0: Uh, it, dude, trust me when I tell you, it's not going to surprise me if I ask some young band and they say, nah, we just get back on the bus and play video games.
1: That, that's kind of where I'm going with that. That's, yeah. that's exactly where I'm going with that. It's just like, it, there's no interest in that at all.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I I'll be, I'll be interested to hear how I'll, I'll, I'll find out. I will ask a, whoever the next young band that I interview is, that seems like they'll talk talk about this kind of shit i will ask them
1: i'm very curious because they just don't seem like they're even interested in that at all that i think they're more interested in their social media and as you just mentioned like video games mm-hmm. but when it comes to like you know just carnal getting it on that's not even a a consideration at all
0: Looking to see who I'm interviewing this week. Eviel, they're old. Um, I'll ask this band Vola. They're a young new band. Vola, V O L A. I'll ask them if they do any ass chasing. <laughs> oh no, I'll wait till on Wednesday. I'm interviewing the band Crowbot, who are who are like kind of like stoner guys. Okay, but they're younger guys and. And I will say the guy Bishop one time at rock on the range, he told me a a weird, crazy story about what he calls the Eagle's claw, which is how he, which is how he fucking finger bangs and ass bangs a chick at the same time. I'm going to ask him about this. All right. I know he chases pussy, but I'm going to ask him if the rest of his band chases pussy.
1: So, so it's like, it's almost like the uh, shocker.
0: Almost, but he he said that it's with your thumb and your index finger, and you plug them both in, and then you stretch as hard as you can. <laughs> it's called the eagle's claw. He told me this at rock. The funniest fucking thing he told me this like we were kind of just hanging out with him, and he did like um, uh, Dom from um Maximum Thresholds show, but then we moved on with him to the next to the next table kind of. We're hanging out with him, and he, he, he was still in that mode where there was no, um, no filter, but yet he was live on the air with some radio station (laughs) wherever, and he started to talking more about this fucking eagle's claw and digging his finger into the girl's pussy (laughs) on FM radio.
1: How how did that even become a subject of? Discussion
0: Because we were all just fucking shooting the shit at the, at the rock on the range. We were just like, you know, I, I'm sure the question of, of tell us the wildest thing that you've ever participated or seen at a show came up and he brought this to the table, this Eagle's claw thing. And, and it just got crazy. And then, and then it just went from there. The Eagle's claw. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. You know how it goes. Guys get around guys. They start telling fucking ridiculous. Well,
1: like I said, you know, I understand guys telling whack ass stories, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, how, how did that even begin?
0: Yeah. I'm sure it began with what's the craziest thing you've ever seen or done backstage. All right. I'm sure that's where it started.
1: Okay. Well, again, I I'm just, for some reason, you know, this is just my perception. I, I don't know. This is fact. Mm-hmm. But but it just seems to me like uh, the younger people they they don't really care about you know scoring or banging out a chick or anything. It's just like yeah, she was a really nice girl, and I brought her back, and we we played Lethal Weapon or or yeah. or Dark. What what is that called?
0: Uh, um, what G- D- GTA?
1: No, what what is it? Uh, what what is the one with the uh, covert? guns and um, call of duty call of duty. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We went back to the tour bus and we played call of duty. She was a real cool chick because she was really into it.
0: Yeah. But you know what though, dude, they've also been raised where they're not allowed to talk about just fucking whores. (laughs) So, so to them that there's an, there's an actual thought of taboo to that of, we could ruin our image if we're if we're talking if we're not talking respectfully about these women that we're, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're not just fucking. Look, guys are carnal, and guys are always going to be carnal. Guys are always gonna gonna be. Guys are always going to look at chicks and just want to fucking do filthy things to them.
1: You well, know? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, and and I do think though that, especially these younger bands like Greta Van Fleet. These guys are sticking pussy in every fucking city. The problem is, is that they can't come out and tell plaster caster stories like, <laughs> like their predecessors, yeah,
1: like Led Zeppelin,
0: like, you know, and they're the, they can't tell the copycat Led Zeppelin story because that'll immediately be, be met with fucking a bunch of fucking fruits with pink hats on going, we're boycotting these guys because they're not good to women. They treat women badly. You know, that's what's going on. Look at PC in the chat room. Speak for yourself, Aiken. I want to be a gentleman. Sure you do. That's why you listen to this show. Yeah. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Get out of here. Take that shit out of here. (laughs) You ain't fooling anybody, PC. (laughs) So
1: stupid. Well, a guy who was a man's man, yeah, or was a man's
0: man. Okay,
1: Lemmy from Motorhead. Yes, sir. He uh, basically was the epitome of you know everything that you and I both, uh, you know, aspire to as far as just being kind of just like a rock and roll hedonistic uh, guy who just. Yeah. You know, we're just guys, guys. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, as you, as you're aware, Lemmy unfortunately passed away like almost six years ago.
0: Sadly. Yeah.
1: And you believe that? It's crazy. I I'm, I'm glad to say that Lemmy appeared on the show. Yes. And I'm happy to say that, uh, I had a conversation with Lemmy at the legendary rainbow. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, 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 Feel very blessed that I had that opportunity. Yeah. Well, anyway, Lemmy passed away years ago. Mm-hmm. Motorhead legend Lemmy Kilmeister. Mm-hmm. His ashes have been placed into bullets and sent to his closest friends.
0: See, I think that's the coolest story of the year so far. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh,
1: American television and radio personality, Ricky Rackman, who hosted MTV's heavy metal show, The Headbanger's Ball in the 1990s, mm-hmm. broke the extremely metal, quite literally, revelation about Lemmy's ashes last night, that is the 22nd of March. Mm-hmm. Rackman posted a photo of the gold bullet embossed with Lemmy's name. Sitting inside a plush uh presentation case. Right. He wrote before the his death, Lemmy asked for his ashes to be put in some bullets and handed out to his closest friends. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Today I received a bullet and was literally brought to tears. Thank you, Motorhead.
0: Dude. I would absolutely cry if I got fucking a Lemmy bullet with his Of
1: course in. you would. It's it's like this bullet casing. It's got you know. It's got like a quarter ounce of Lemmy's yeah. DNA in it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's in a case, and it's all shiny, and you know, it, it's it's a memento. Mm-hmm.
0: You yeah.
1: know, Lemmy. I I know that I know that you have expressed on the show that that you have adopted the Lemmy philosophy in life. And and as have I, you know, I, I've drawn a lot of inspiration from Lemmy about life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I quoted him on the show tonight about how many rooms can you live in at one time?
0: Sure.
1: You know, and he was a no nonsense guy. And you know even though he had success in his life i I have no idea what his net worth was when he passed away mm-hmm. but but he was just a you know I, I get up on stage i I play my Rick and backer bass I just rock out and I live in a one bedroom apartment in North or West Hollywood rather and I drink at the rainbow and that's my life really? you know he he had no lofty expectations living in mansions and all this driving big cars and all this other stuff is just like yeah i just live my life i drink my jack daniels i rock out to my music i tour the world i drink at the rainbow and you know life is good
0: yeah exactly (laughs) yeah he he did he lived it his way right till the last day he did i mean he was on tour what Three weeks before he died.
1: Yeah, it was. I think it was like literally two weeks.
0: Yeah, it was like right before. Yeah. And he looked like hell, but he still knocked. The, he still knocked out the shows. He did. Uh, wasn't he passing out at some of the shows? Because I think
1: he, I think he had to cut some shows uh, short because he literally couldn't perform. He was right. just, yeah, I, I, you know, I apologize. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I have to cut the show short because I just can't go on. And he was just. You know, he was literally on his last legs as, mm-hmm. as the old, uh, adage goes.
0: Yeah. Well, he inspired me, his personality more than his music. I mean, I like the music, but I loved his personality and what he did. I mean, dude, even my books, every one of my books is dedicated to my grandfather, my father and Lemmy. Yeah. Every one of them. Because- well, he,
1: he's a, he, he was a rock till you drop guy.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's how I try to live. I try to go 150 miles an hour every fucking day, you know, and so far so good. And dude, is it going to, sh- is it going to shock you one bit? If I, if they find me dead in front of a computer, probably not. you you you'll be like, yep, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You did. You, you went out doing what you enjoyed. Yeah. Doing what I do and working yeah. hard and trying to, trying to get even further along. There's no resting on what you've accomplished. None. You always got more to accomplish. Sure. You know, Yeah. I, I totally try to live the Lemmy way.
1: Not, not widely picked up by the media last year. Former professional tennis player, Pat Cash shared a photo of Lemmy bullet. He received in February of 2020 uh taking the instagram from lemmy's favorite drink haunt the rainbow which i was just there like a month ago Mm -hmm. uh cash said that the bullet had been given to ugly kid joe's front man whitfield crane Wow. cash wrote on the time that lemmy from motorhead asked that his ashes be put in some bullet and given out to his closest friends last night one was presented to my mate, Whitfield Crane, whilst he was having dinner at Lemmy's Bar in at the Rainbow. Huh. Uh, Lemmy died on the 28th of December, 2015, uh, in his apartment in Los Angeles, just four days after his 70th birthday. He was uh, later immortalized with a statue at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, which you can see below. Last summer, it was announced that the movie biopic about Lemmy is in the works, simply entitled Lemmy. It's being directed by Greg Oliver, who was also co-directed and co-produced the acclaimed 2010 documentary film about the same name, Lemmy, alongside Wes Orschlicky, whatever his name is. Uh, Lemmy will follow the early life of Ian Fraser Frazier Killmeister. From his upbringing in Stoke on the Trent to famously becoming a roadie for Jim Jimi Hendrix to joining Space Rock uh, Torchbearers Hawkwind before he formed Motorhead in the mid seventies, right. Lemmy has been in de- uh, Lemmy has been in development since 2013, and production is tentatively set to start this year, depending on the situation with the. Coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. So there you go. So there's going to be some kind of a Lemmy documentary
0: thing. Didn't I, am I wrong in thinking that I, um, I emceed the actual premiere of that movie? I'm pretty sure I did with that Wes Orshawski guy. That name rings a bell. I'm pretty sure that I, that I MC the actual premiere of that movie it was at the um Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland. Yeah. I'm pretty positive I did. Yeah. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah.
1: So there you go. So Lemmy so Lemmy 6 years later still lives on.
0: Yeah, as he should. The musical always live on. Yeah. The legacy needs to keep living on.
1: Well, again, what would, and again, I'm going to go with the, uh, what would Lemmy say about today's <laughs> current environment?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh miss that dude, Ben. But everybody dies apparently.
1: Well, it, it was an honor having Lemmy be on the show at one point. Sure was. And it was a big honor for me to personally, you know, speak with him at the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never forget that time I was at the rainbow and, and his manager was with him and the girl that I was dating at the time, she had talked to his manager and told, told his manager that I was at the rainbow and wanted to talk to him. And he basically said, yeah, come on over and talk, but no pictures. Right. And I couldn't, I, I wanted to take a selfie with uh, lemmy, but it was just like, nope, not happening.
0: Yeah. What well, He wasn't into it
1: but uh, uh bob nowbandian mm-hmm. the legend bob nowbandian was at the rainbow with me
0: yeah.
1: and uh you know lemmy was there and he was just playing his video game as people have reported mm-hmm. and now that it's uh you know here here we are almost six years later it's called lemmy's lounge now mm-hmm. and uh when i was out there with eric our friend eric Ferentinos, um I had bought a couple of whiskey shirts for, you know, some various people Okay. that asked me to buy them some whiskey, uh, a go yes. shirts, as well as some rainbow shirts. Sure. And the guy loaded me up with some um, drink coasters that were dr- Jack Daniel's drink coasters that says Lemmy's Lounge on it. Oh, nice. So, I got a stack of these things and I don't want to use them. I I basically want to get them laminated. Okay. So so I can have them here in the CMS studio to where they don't get ruined because they're, you know, they're cardboard. Right. But I want to get them encased in laminate so I can have them here in the CMS
0: studio. Another collectible for studio A. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that.
1: So it's pretty cool. It's called Lemmy's Lounge. If you haven't been to the rainbow, You know, obviously because of COVID, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can go there, but you know, as long as you're sitting, you can take your mask off Mm -hmm. and order and drink a Jack and Coke and, you know, honor of Lemmy or order some food or whatever. But, uh, God damn it. Don't you stand up without your mask? Well, thank God. Lemmy's
0: lounge has the sit down force field. (laughs) Because Lemmy is watching over us all. That's right. But only if you're sitting. <laughs> exactly. Stand up, Lemmy does Lemmy turns his head.
1: Yeah. Don't
0: don't you stand up without your mask. That's right.
1: So stupid.
0: It is. Are right, you got hey, a hey. tune or you want me to pick one? Because I've got
1: uh one. well, I was gonna play a motorhead if you want to yeah. pick a motorhead tune.
0: I do. I would like to hear make my day, since hearing that story made my day from um nineteen sixteen.
1: Okay. Some motorhead make my day. That's right.
0: All right. This isn't a tribute to uh, Clint Eastwood. uh, Clint Eastwood. No, I don't think so. Might have been. I mean, he's working with bullets here. So, you know, maybe it does. I don't know.
1: (laughs) But anyway, so, uh, yeah, let me. Just a, just an icon,
0: man. Yeah, he is.
1: And uh, again, I, I was just happy to meet the guy and shake his hand and chat with him for a few minutes. And, you know, they're, they're like Sam Kinison, which we talked about earlier tonight. There will never be another Sam Kinison. There will never be a Lemmy, another Lemmy ever.
0: And you know what, that makes Jackal happy because he hates both, if you can believe that. I, he I, hates Sam and he hates Motorhead? Yes, he stinks. He literally in the chat room tonight said that Sam Kinnison was a was a loudmouth ass. <laughs> and and he was in here saying that Lemmy was overrated. I'm starting oh, to wonder about Jim. Okay. Starting to wonder about Jim. But he loves Nostradamus as his number one album ever.
1: Okay. Well, I don't get it.
2: All
0: right. All right. Well, let's play a couple of tunes. We'll come
1: back, wrap up the show. So here it is. It's uh, motorhead with make my
0: day exclusively here on your class. All right. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And you know what else is a lot of fun? The CMS podcast network. That's right. CMSPN.com is the address. Make sure you go over there. Make sure you watch the episodes there. You listen to the episodes there and maybe even just subscribe. So it's delivered to your phone, to whatever podcasting software you use, but do it from cmspn.com. Once again, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. We'll see you next time. Fucks.